I love Quidditch. Yes, the magical sport from Harry Potter. It's a real life sport played by people around the world, including me. I grew up on Harry Potter and have played real life Quidditch on and off since the age of 10. I'm making a podcast because, well, I'm kind of panicking. I'm questioning typical things about my life, like my major, where to live, or what to do now, but I also keep thinking about Quidditch. We have a new keeper in for UVM. UVM still in solid possession. As I face my own big life transition in the form of college graduation, I'll interview Quidditch friends of mine to learn about their lives and how Quidditch has fit in. Hopefully, it will help me figure out how it will exist in my life as I become a real adult. Growing up, finding my passion, working hard, catching snitches, shooting quaffles, dodging bludgers, it's all part of my life. Hey everyone, I'm Ian, and welcome back to Questioning Quidditch. This episode, my guest is Kylie McBride. Kylie has played beater for the University of Texas at Austin, where she won a college national championship. She's also played for the Austin Outlaws, Texas Calvary, and the U.S. national team, where she also won gold at the Pan American Games in 2019. I've had the pleasure of occasionally playing with, and mostly against, Kylie. She's an incredible beater and an all-around great person. In our interview, Kylie and I talk about the transition out of college quidditch, finding club teams, MLQ, and other options. We talk about finding ways to continue playing, even if you didn't think you were going to. Anyways, I hope you enjoy our interview. Obviously, we've met before, but I feel like we don't actually know each other that well. So I kind of wanted to just um, start off by asking you how you actually got started playing Quidditch. Yeah, um, I started playing Quidditch my freshman year of college. I have an older sister, Erin, as some people know, um, but she played and also went to UT. And so she and her friend kind of took me to tryouts and yeah, just had a lot of fun and stuck with it. So um, I played soccer in high school and, you know, missed having that team aspect and competing and having teammates that you're working alongside with. So definitely enjoyed the, yeah, the sports part of it. Yeah. Uh, so from joining, could you just kind of quickly trace out your Quidditch career from there? Um, I know you played all four years at UT, and I believe you played for Calvary this kind of most of this year. But Yes. So I played for UT um, all four years. And then after graduating, I played MLQ on the Outlaws and then played for Cavalry this year and then was played at Pan Am too for the national team yeah last summer but yeah yeah and for the national team was that something that just kind of happened as a product of all your hard work or were you specifically working towards that like was that a goal in your mind or Um, I always thought it was a really cool thing um my beating partner Tate Tate K Mm -hmm. um he kind of convinced me to apply um kind of last minute but definitely a really amazing thing to be a part of um and i'm really grateful i got to you know experience that yeah definitely yeah so so tate kind of helped convince you then to try out like were you considering the possibility of playing for team usa as you were kind of getting better or um was it really just kind of that like last minute convincing (laughs) 
um I honestly thought that after college I'd just be done with Quidditch Mm -hmm. initially that's kind of where my head was at but you know you kind of fall in love with the sport and you enjoy it a lot um, and enjoy (laughs) your teammates and enjoy competing so kind of yeah Tate convinced me at that point it's not something I thought about because I just assumed I would be done playing Mm -hmm. but um yeah you kind of just keep going and you realize that you it's something you can do even after you graduate and it's still the same community same same sport you get to continue to grow and get better so yeah yeah, yeah so i guess so i actually just graduated kind of there's this weird funky thing but like halfway through the year um because i started kind of a semester late so i'm i'm kind of currently i guess this is all thrown it off a little bit but like currently going through the transition of like figuring out how to play Quidditch after college. But um, what was that process like for you then? Um, Obviously you said you kind of thought you might be done playing. Um, And so like, what was it like to kind of like consider whether or not you wanted to continue playing, whether or not, like how would you would do that? um, And with what teams and stuff, like what was that like for you that process? Yeah, it was a very confusing process at first, um, especially because I moved to a city that, um, doesn't have a major Quidditch team nearby mm-hmm. necessarily. So um, I just kind of assumed I would be done. But the good thing about community teams is that a lot of times they're a little more flexible and, you know, you can make certain amounts of practices and just make what you can. So um, I know Cavalry made it really easy for me to be a part of the team flexibility-wise as awesome. far as what practices I can make and mm-hmm. So, and it's definitely something that after you graduate, you still, you still can be a part of a community of competing, like that doesn't just go away. So I think that's what convinced me to keep playing is the sport that I love and that I've, you know, gotten to really enjoy the past four years of college. And so to keep doing that going forward was something that I decided I wanted to do. If you don't mind me asking, what city did you end up moving to? I moved to Corpus Christi. Oh, nice. In Texas, which is, cool. yeah, it's about like three hours from Austin. Okay. Yeah, so. so do you commute to practices and stuff occasionally, or how how does that work? Yeah, um, I I would go to Austin occasionally, and my I would stay, stay with my sister because she also plays on Cavalry, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then go to practices whenever I was there. So, yeah, I would commute. Not every weekend, but sometimes. Yeah. Wow, that's super cool. So in that way, was it difficult to decide to decide like what team to play for or because of like your sister and the community you had already built of friends? Was it just kind of almost predecided in a way because of like the group you had um, connected with? Yeah, I think a lot of community teams have a lot of different things to offer, which is cool. And there's kind of more um, flexibility there. And I decided to go with Cavalry because I had played with a lot of them on Outlaws. And so, yeah, I already had some of that community. We have similar strategy mindsets as well. So that works really well. Yeah. Um, and they also had an opening for female beaters. They're looking for some more. Um, and also my sister plays on it. So um, <laughs> a kind of a combination of all of those things. Yeah. But, yeah. Was that your first time playing MLQ uh, this summer after graduation? Yes. It was. And what was it like for you to kind of make the transition from 
like the college game to MLQ and then the national team and then kind of the club game after that? MLQ is really fun because you get a lot of really good players from different teams. And so you get kind of some of the best of the best all on one team. So they bring a lot of different tools to the table that you may not have seen before, different strategies, different, I know, abilities. So honestly, it was pretty fun to be able to transition from, you know, a team that I've been used to for the past four years and kind of knew the strategy, knew my teammates, been playing with them for, you know, a long time to Mm -hmm. an environment where now I have teammates that I've never played with before that have different strategies, bring different elements that I've never seen before. So it was fun to be able to adapt to that and kind of work with them to develop new strategies and new ways to play. So mm-hmm. it was pretty fun. Have you played other positions before? Did you kind of start and mostly stay at Beater? Uh... Yeah, I've I've started at Beater and mostly stayed at Beater. I've chased occasionally when when needed, but mostly stayed at Beater. And do you feel like your strategies and whatnot have evolved as you've kind of gotten to meet and play with all these different people too then? Um, Cause I feel like the beater game especially is something really unique to Quidditch that there's so much happening and so much to think about that. I feel like there's a lot of different ways to approach it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think beating is super mental and it's a lot about your strategy and decision-making even more than physical play. So um, I definitely think my, my thought process has evolved in decision-making and definitely learned a lot based on how other people are playing. And as other people change their strategies, you can kind of adapt to that. So I think, especially from the start of my career, I've (laughs) changed a lot as I've found things that are more successful or players are honestly just getting better too. So you got to adapt. Obviously not asking you to like share any, any specific secrets or anything, but what what kind of advice might you give to someone who's maybe picking up beating or just kind of starting Quidditch um, on ways to improve and maybe like just approach it differently? Yeah, um, it's a great question. I'd say the biggest thing is just to be confident in your decision-making. Um, I think when you first start out, it can be a bit intimidating with, just people that have been playing before because it's kind of a confusing sport at first something (laughs) a lot of people aren't used to so um i think for me when i started to have more success was just when i started being confident in you know my abilities my throws my decision making even if it was the wrong decision if you're confident in it a lot of times can still work out well so yeah i'd say confidence is a big thing and also learning strategy and making every position um a strategic tool not dismissing anyone i think that is a big thing coaching wise Mm -hmm. that can really help too so yeah you were captain at least your senior year right at um, university of texas yes i was yeah so i'm assuming you had you you had probably a big role then kind of helping just kind of helping shape uh the way your probably your team approached everything so also, I don't know if I ever say congrats on the national title, but congrats on the national <laughs> title. Oh, thank um, you. It was, thank it was you. fun to watch. Another question I have kind of transitioning back to figuring out how to play more Quidditch, um, if that's something that people want to do. Um, what advice would you give someone else who maybe doesn't live like totally in a Quidditch concentrated area and 
but would want to kind of continue to pursue playing in different ways? I would just encourage them to find find a team that can work with them because every team's different. A lot of teams have flexibility for practices and, you know, tournament attendance and can, you can just make what you can. So I would encourage them just to reach out to community teams in their area and see if they can work with them or even look to start their own team if they are really interested. Mm-hmm. But just encourage them to keep keep seeking out because there's a lot of different options that can work with your schedule and with your situation, whatever it is. So, yeah. And for you, have like, have you been kind of starting a career then too and finding time amidst that? Um, what, what's kind of that been like, I guess? Yeah. Um, I started a new job and that's why I moved to Corpus. Um, so yeah, I started my career. I graduated last year. And so this is my first year working full time. Mm-hmm. And so that was another reason I wasn't sure if Quidditch would work out, but totally. it actually worked out well because, you know, I can start my new job and then on the weekends or, you know, whenever I have free time, I can go hang out and stay connected to that community that I've been a part of and, you know, still get to experience that, um, which is kind of a fun constant. Even as you transition in life to your next stage, you can still, you know, have that which you've always had, which is cool. Once you kind of get involved, I feel like that community is a huge part of continuing to play. Cause I mean, not, not only are they just great people and super supportive, but like, I feel like it allows you to kind of push each other and um, like help, help each other grow through different stages. Exactly. And it's just friends that stick around. So you're still just hanging out with friends, you know, having a good time. So what currently drives you then to continue pursuing Quidditch? Is it is it that community? Is it kind of the combination of everything? I would say the the community is a big thing of, you know, just still working towards something with your friends and with people that care about you. That's huge. And something that, you know, Quidditch or another sport or whatever it is, that's kind of the underlying goal of things. Um, but then also just the competitive aspect and just loving the game and wanting to, you know, keep getting better and keep finding, you know, different, different ways to succeed in it. That's just fun. So yeah, kind of a combination of both. So you've, you've played with Tate for, you played with him kind of majority of that, of your senior year. Um, what is it like to play with different beating partners and how does, like, how, how does that shift your game? I guess. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it really depends on the person that you're playing with and obviously trying to figure out what their play style is, if they're, you know, super aggressive or if they're not, if they're, you know, whatever it is that they tend to do um, and just trying to complement that well. And also you show them what you're excelling at and they can work off of you as well. So um, yeah, I I beat with, Tate a lot and then that same year I beat with Jack and Mm -hmm. Richmond also and then this year beat with Augie and Cole and Mm -hmm. um, Juan and Carlos so yeah I think everyone's different but I think the best beating pairs can play off of each other's strengths and adapt to each other so it's really just how well you can work together and you know complement each other's strengths do you feel it, t- like it can you... take some time. Yeah, I was going to say, do you feel like you need to practice with them a fair amount before you're kind of ready to go out um, in a game and play together as a beater pair? Or... 
Um, I think, I think it really depends on, on the player. Some people, it might take more time to learn if their styles really clash and just naturally they have to learn to play off each other a bit more. Mm. Um, but I think other times it can be pretty easy, especially if you're, as long as each person's aware of what the other person's doing, usually you can react and, you know, prioritize different skills based on that. Yeah. I think it just really depends. Usually I'd say it's okay. Cause if you have the same goal of, you know, either keeping control or beating the qualified players, mm-hmm. as long as you're lined up on that, you can kind of flow from there. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you, I guess just strictly from a beater perspective, do you have like a favorite or one of a number of favorite games or moments that you kind of felt like the the beater matchup you were playing against was like particularly interesting or like strategic in any way? Like, Ooh. I would say the best beating matchups. MLQ was fun this year playing against um, Boston and also New York, both mm. of those beating sets. I mean, they had a lot of different matchups, like having the Max Lulu matchup and then um, Mario and Leanne. Yeah. Those are fun. And they they play very differently. So mm. I think that was a fun series. And then same with the New York beaters too. Those are fun. So I'd say those kind of stand out. And then also Cav and Heat always have some good back and forth matchups there. So definitely <laughs> Alamo cup was fun this past, this past um, tournament. That was a good game. The, we played Cav played heat twice and there's some good, good matchups in there. So that was fun. Yeah. I hope this can be an encouragement to people to keep, keep staying involved. Um, you yeah, can definitely totally. make it work with, with schedules and location changes. So I was definitely one of those people. I did not think they would keep playing, but found a way to keep playing so that's yeah that's really cool and encouraging to hear there are two major things that have stuck with me since talking to kylie first of all she ends by talking about sticking with quidditch even after college and looking to make things work especially in a time like the one we're in with a pandemic that's keeping most of us at home I think it's important to really take the time to think about the things that you love doing and plan ways to continue to prioritize them in your life. If that's Quidditch, then go for it. That doesn't mean it'll be easy or equal for everyone because depending on where you live, there might be teams around you already, but there should hopefully be ways that you can stay involved no matter what. It's easy to take things for granted when you have them around all the time, but I know that for me, being stuck at home has really changed my perspective on things. It's really made me think about what I wish I could be putting my time into and motivated me to prepare for those things and take steps now to make them happen in the future. Secondly, I didn't include this part of our interview, but Kylie asked me what the goals of my podcast are, and it's made me think about how my motivations continue to grow and change. Originally, I started this podcast in February as I was graduating college, because on top of all the life changes and confusion, Quidditch was still one of my biggest worries. Now, though, as I continue to navigate this transition and this scary intermediary period during the current pandemic, I want to continue getting to know people in the Quidditch community and start to learn about their personal stories and motivations to help inspire the Quidditch community as a whole. There are so many kind, passionate, and motivated people in this community like that that continue to push progress, and I hope that we can all learn from that. 
Anyways, thanks again for Kylie for coming on the show, and thank you all for listening to this episode. If you have a guest in mind or just want to continue the conversation, Questioning Quidditch is on Facebook and Instagram, so go check those out. This is also episode 8, so if you haven't yet, be sure to check out all the other episodes. Thanks again for listening. I'm Ian Skura, and this is Questioning Quidditch.